the Summer Skate Studios Behind the Mask Hockey Shops present College Hockey West Live for August 14th, 2022. Behind the Mask's College Hockey West Live is brought to you by Peterson Toyota. College graduate, member of the military, then you might be eligible for a special rebate or discount. See us at petersontoyota.com. Top Golf. Let us help you reimagine your next business meeting or team building event. See your regional center or go to topgolf.com. The NCHC and NCHC.tv. Subscribe to NCHC.tv to watch the best in college hockey since 2013. Behind the Mask Hockey Shops. Visit any of our Three Valley locations or go to BehindTheMask.com, whether you're on ice or in line. Jets Pizza. Whether it's our legendary Detroit-style square or New York-style thin crust, Jets Pizza is better because it has to be. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos, whether it's Las Vegas or any of our other worldwide properties, an iconic vacation awaits you or destinations. Metro by T-Mobile. Get 50% off or more when you add a line to a new or existing account. Liberty University. Play for something more. Faith, education, and hockey at liberty.edu. Buy Burrito Express. Six East Valley locations for fresh, fast, authentic Mexican food. M-Drive, natural support for men looking to increase energy, strength, and drive. Always free delivery at mdriveformen.com. Summer Skates, whether our original red or new black shower shoes, show your game and style at summerskates.com. And by Drury Inns and Suites, travel happy again. Book your next stay at druryhotels.com or at 1-800-DRURY-INN. College Hockey West Live from the Summer Skate Studios, presented by Behind the Mask, is a part of the IcetimeHockeyWest.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy, and special co-host, Michael Weissman. Well, welcome in, hockey fans. Indeed, it is Sunday night, which means it's time for College Hockey West Live. Scott Strandy with you tonight from Denver, Colorado. My co-host, as always... Not Paul Hornstein, who's moving his son into college this weekend up in Albany, New York. So I called on an old friend. I got Michael Weisman, the Associate Commissioner of the NCHC with me. Michael, how are you tonight? I'm doing well, Scott. Thanks for having me. appreciate you allowing me to fill in for Paul. I, uh, <laughs> I know that can be a tough time uh, moving, moving your kid into college. I remember when I went to college and how my, my mom dealt with that emotionally. So I'm sure he's uh, going through a lot of emotions right now. Oh, he, he's struggling. I just talked to him about an hour ago. He said, <laughs> the worst part's not even going to hit me until we leave here and, and leave him on Wednesday. But anyway, that's, uh, that, that's a whole other show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we got great stuff to talk about. I just recorded an interview with the, uh, the head coach from uh, the Five Nations Team USA team, Dan Jablonik, who ironically enough is a, uh, another UMD Bulldog, just about 14 years after me or something, but <laughs> who's, who's counting, right? <laughs> right. We're not going to go down that road, but another NCHC school at least. Right. Absolutely. Uh, so anyway, I know you didn't have a chance to keep up with uh, maybe what was going on over at uh, Ed Robeson arena this, uh, this past week, Michael, but uh, some of the best under 17 players in five different countries were, were on the ice surface over there. Uh, I joked with, uh, Ken Landau, when I was visiting with him yesterday, I said, five teams, five days, 10 games. How you holding up? <laughs> was, he, was he on the call for all the games? Yeah, he did a hockey TV call for all of them. That's, so, uh, that's, a, that's a lot of work. So, yeah, definitely props to him for, uh, for picking up the mic there. Yeah, so I did a little feature that will be up after the show uh, with him, five minutes in the Five Nations, as well as one that I did with a couple of players. So, we got a couple of them out of the way while we were there, but uh, a heartbreaking loss last night for uh, for Team USA to Chechia, as mm-hmm. um, they uh, they fell six to four with an empty net goal. Um, it was strange, Michael, because I, I really truly believe that Team USA was the best team there, but Chechia came out and played a style. I'm sure you've seen this many times over and over again. Um, they played the style that they had to play to try to defeat the Americans, and it worked. They were very, very physical. They were quick on the puck. Um, they capitalized, I believe, on every scoring chance they got. <laughs> I'm joking on that one, but... <laughs> yeah, sure. It, 
it, it was incredible. Yeah. No, I think uh, probably a little surprising. I know the U.S. was the defending uh, champions of that tournament and uh, certainly on home ice, uh, maybe, you know, would have expected them to win. But like you said, Chechia played the, the perfect game and played to their strengths and uh, were able to hold off a late U.S. rally. Well, Team USA came out and uh, and really played well, I thought, in the opening game on Tuesday night against Germany. Beat them 10-1. Um, a couple of the players that I visited with, I said, so what was it like with all you guys in the same hotel? And they said it was a bit awkward to go to dinner with the Germans after we just beat them 10 to 1. <laughs> As yeah. you would expect a 15 or 16-year-old to say, right? <laughs> yeah, not sure how that dinner conversation would go. So how's your night going? Well, you know, <laughs> right. probably had better. <laughs> exactly. Uh, then they came back, and I thought game two, they were a bit sluggish against the Swiss. Uh, they... Uh, they looked like maybe they were a little tired. They played an exhibition on Sunday night. They were off Monday, but then they played Tuesday and Wednesday. And, boy, they, they came around in the third period and, and sealed the victory. Then uh, they came back on Friday night and, uh, I thought, played an excellent game against uh, Slovakia. And that led them into Saturday night. And, uh, like I said, Chechia was just, uh, from the very get-go, Michael, they were just pounding bodies like you've never seen and. Uh, as Coach Jablonik will tell us, um, he kind of expected that. But he said, even if you expect it, you can't always defend against it. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, sometimes, you know, there's the, the perfect uh, defense or the perfect uh, strategy. And you see it even in college hockey sometimes, come, whether it's the NCAA tournament or, you know, quote unquote underdogs playing kind of that perfect game against the team that's maybe more skilled than them. And uh, they're able to hold it off and, uh, and pull out the upset, so to speak. You know, the other thing I witnessed uh, this week was two penalty shots. <laughs> both both uh, came against Team USA, and, and Caleb Heal uh, stopped the first one, I think was against uh, Slovakia. Uh, no, sorry, Switzerland. And uh, the one against um, Chechia last night was one that he could not stop. And um, unfortunately, like I said, Chechia capitalized. It seemed like on every opportunity they scored their first two goals, on two-on-ones, and uh, when you get a two-on-one, it's those are tough. Um, then they got a penalty shot goal, and then they scored a power play goal or two. So um, that being said, though, Michael, it was 5-2 with seven minutes and eight seconds to go in the third period in favor of Chechia, and uh, Team USA came back, pulled the goaltender, scored twice, made it 5-4, and uh, as Coach Jablonik will tell us as well, he really thought they were going to tie it. They had a couple of tips that just went wide. <laughs> And uh, the crowd, although not not huge, I'm guessing maybe 1,000, 1,500 people for that championship game uh, were really into it, thinking USA was going to tie this thing up and maybe win it in overtime. But um, not to be, and Chechia is a uh, well-deserved champion of the Five Nations uh, tournament. Yeah, no, I mean, it's always good to see, you know, not that I, uh, you know, I want the U.S. to lose or anything. I'm always certainly cheering for the U.S., but it's certainly good for, you know, maybe some of those smaller nations to win some of these tournaments. You see the World Juniors going on, and, you know, it's historically the same teams, whether it's the U.S., Canada, Finland, Sweden. I know Russia is not allowed to participate these days. So, um, you know, usually it's one of those four teams that tends to win it with, with Russia out. And uh, it's good to maybe see one of those, uh, quote-unquote, you know, smaller countries, even though Chechia is certainly a hockey power and has produced – a lot of good hockey players, but uh, it's good to see some some uh, variety in, in the champions. Well, I did recognize one name on the back of their jerseys. It was Klima. <laughs> I think that name has been synonymous with hockey, even in the United States for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I did see I did see a couple NCHC connections on the U.S. staff as well. So uh, always good to see the NCHC representing on the staff with Jason Smith, Smitty, uh, serving as the equipment manager. He's the equipment manager at Omaha. And uh, yep. Nick Oliver, former St. Cloud State player and, and assistant coach, uh, serving as assistant for that team. So had a little uh, sh sh shout out to our NCHC guys there. I'll give you a little quick synopsis on my interview with the two players. I said, so uh, tell me about Nick Oliver being your assistant coach. And uh, Will Zeller said, well, he's younger, so he got some of our jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. I told that to Coach Jablonik too, and he said, "Yeah, well, that would probably be the case." <laughs> there's, there's definitely something to that. Uh, if you're kind of a little closer in age range, you get some of their jokes, speak a little bit more of their language and slang and all that stuff. So it's, uh, it's, it's important to have those connections for sure. 
and you being a, a Colorado Springs resident now for a while, um, I'll tell you, they all loved the Springs. Um, I asked Will Zellers also, I said, what was the best part of the tournament? And he said, the locker room. It was sick. <laughs> I mean, they got to play in a state-of-the-art facility for sure that's, uh, you know, only a year old. And uh, I think I saw they got to do the incline uh, uh, over in, in uh, Manitou Springs. So I'm surprised he didn't say that was his favorite part. Yeah, he said that was his second favorite part. Did he? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a grueling uh, climb, but uh, definitely rewarding at the top. They, they said they wrote the, the, wrote the cog, though, the cog train or whatever oh up is. to pike's peak yeah okay yeah, yeah that's good yeah so yeah. they did that too <laughs> yeah that that's definitely neat to be on the top of pike's peak is uh, is quite the view up there for sure absolutely okay let's take a quick break let's come back and we'll play that interview with dan jablonic and then you and i will be back to talk some nchc hockey uh in the second half of the show we'll be back in about three minutes Behind the mask, we know that players are always messing with their equipment and constantly need to borrow things like tape or need a new mouthpiece during the season. Point is that just because you are fully outfitted to start the season doesn't mean you're good for the year. Make sure that you are always supplied with all of the hockey accessories you need by visiting our stores or behindthemask.com. Whether it's an extra mouth guard, wheels and bearings for your inline skates, or extra rolls of tape for your stick, Behind the mask, we have all the little things that can make your time at the rink go smoother. Go to any of our three valley locations or online at behindthemask.com. College Hockey West Live is coming to you from the Summer Skate Studios. Summer Skates, the ultimate hockey player's footwear. Indeed, it is. College Hockey West Live. Scott Strandy with you tonight from Denver, Colorado. My co-host tonight, a very special guest, Michael Weissman, the Associate Commissioner of the NCHC, the best college hockey conference in the world. Can I say that, Michael? Uh, we'd like to think so. I mean, we don't want to toot our own horn, but I suppose, you know, if you look at on, on ice results, maybe on ice results. <laughs> I can. Anyway, great to have you. Thanks for sitting in for Paul, who uh, that last voice you heard is his son, Charlie, his uh, youngest son um, on his way to... Uh, start his college career up in upstate New York at Albany. So best of luck, Charlie. Uh, best of luck, Paul. Hold it together for three more days if you can. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Cherish, cherish the time together. Absolutely. 
Okay, so uh, I told you I had a little interview that I just concluded with uh, Dan Jablonik, the uh, head coach of the uh, Team USA Five Nations uh, team. We'll play that for you now. Then Michael and I will be back to uh, talk a little bit more about NCHC hockey, what we can expect. And we'll touch on the World Juniors, which is going to play another game in the final preliminary game in uh, 45 minutes or so. So we'll be right back. in hockey fans to another college hockey west live uh special guest tonight i've been spending a week in colorado springs as uh, most people know i travel up and down i-25 but was able to watch the five nations tournament after spending a week in plymouth michigan watching the uh, world junior team and i am pleased tonight to bring on the head coach from team usa dan jablonik is with me another former bulldog so go ahead throw the hate mail at us we can handle it (laughs) dan how are you tonight i'm doing well good evening thanks for having me i appreciate it absolutely well i'll tell you right now we uh we had the opportunity to uh to see some really good hockey over the last uh what five six days i know you guys that were there a little longer getting uh, accustomed to the elevation and all that stuff but um first of all tell me a little bit about your experience uh with uh ed robeson arena and colorado college putting on an event like that yeah i think uh my entire team is just so excited that we're able to you know participate in a tournament on our home soil and beautiful facility at ed robeson CC College, um, fantastic. I mean, it was truly every, you know, from our practices, you know, to uh, you know, our exhibition game. I mean, it just we felt like home in every, in every aspect. So for these kids to, or these players to get this experience at such a uh, um, high-level facility um, and have all the amenities there, and then just have the support of um, family and friends around was was incredible. And uh, you know, being in the same in the headquarters of USA Hockey was. Uh, that doesn't hurt, right? I can, tell, I can tell you that, yes. <laughs> well, I talked to a couple of your players, a couple of the Shattuck St. Mary's kids, and uh, I asked Will Zellers, uh, I said, what's the, the best thing you, about this trip so far other than the hockey? And he said, in his words, the locker room. The locker room was sick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you heard that a bunch. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it's our general manager, Richie Hansen. Uh, you know, I made sure I text him first came in on the bus and when the kids got to uh, you know see the locker room and then obviously see the uh, um, third jersey with the USA hockey um, crest on the front and um, the looks on their faces and the excitement uh, really started to sink and hit home for those kids so um, definitely agree with Will on that one uh, the <laughs> locker room you can see with the boys that uh, you know they were having fun in that locker room um, the entire tournament. Well, I've known Nick Oliver, your assistant coach, for uh, since he was about one, because I know his uh, father, Scott, from way back when. And uh, so I had Nick on last uh, Sunday, and uh, we kind of got a little preview on him being there. And and now it's your turn to talk about this week. So we've already covered what happened uh, in the surroundings. But on the ice, uh, Dan, I commented uh, right off the get-go that I thought your group um, – from the very first shift, look like a team. It's very hard to watch a lot of teams, and I watch a lot of hockey, that um, where the units move as a group like that, much less a group that had to come together quickly. How did you do that? Yeah, well, first of all, you know, I, I want to uh, make sure that uh, acknowledge our, our, our whole staff. I mean, Nick Oliver was obviously a big part of that, and, um, you know, Jimmy Mullins and, and uh, Zach Sizek on the, on the coaching staff, and you know, so trying to get that across to those kids in a short amount of time, it, you know, came from our entire staff, not only coaching staff, but our support staff, and Billy McClellan, our team leader, and um, we were fortunate, we had some time 
about that, but I saw you guys start off the first game, and I thought you were flying. I could see the energy. I could see the uh, the skill level. I, I kind of weighed. I think I don't know if it was game two that I saw. I think it might have been game two that I thought, man, maybe maybe fatigue was starting to catch up to you because you guys scrimmaged on Sunday night, right? And then you uh, had Monday off, but then you played Tuesday, Wednesday, Correct. and uh, and I thought. Gosh, I think maybe you looked a little fatigued, but then you responded nice in Game Three, and I thought we're pretty solid. And then last night, I, you know, I just kind of give credit to the game plan from uh, Chechia. So tell us a little bit about what you saw from the bench. Yeah, they, they, great analysis from as far as the tournament, right? We came out strong with a new ten-one win over Germany, and just great to see it. in that it wasn't just you know one line going. There's a you know, even distribution where they're just making plays and more importantly having fun and um, it was just great to see the decisions and the reads the kids are making on and off the puck and um, then we got into the Swiss game and it got a little bit away from our game in, in, in the second period there but then as you pointed out responded really really well in that third play you know third period and they learned how to play with a lead and that gave us momentum going into to the Slo- Slovakia game where we just played a full full 60 and that was just a great feeling for our kids and we're just getting stronger and stronger as the tournament was going on and um, then obviously getting into last night's game against uh, Judge, it, it's uh, they came out and they matched our intensity, intensity right off the bat and uh, they, it's a hard physical team as, as we witnessed and uh, uh, it was the first time for our kids to really, you know, our players to really uh, you know, experience something like that and um, to our credit, they uh, they rebounded. I mean, to go down one nothing right away after essentially the first shift, come back and work to uh, get it to one one, and then um, you know obviously they score the, the power play goal there. And, um, but just you know those things that uh, you know it's a learning process for everybody involved, especially for our players. You know we had uh, Max Watson went down, and um, you know they obviously disrupted the, uh, the the lineup a little bit. I mean we've been playing with a full twenty all uh, tournament long, and uh, you know when that happens, it, it's uh, you know, it's a little the adaptability, and I thought our kids really responded well in the uh, in the third period to you know um, make that effort and that attempt, which was uh, um, to tie it up and, and force an overtime after being in such a, a hole early. And as you know, in those kind of tournaments, you know, when you're battling back like that, it's a, it's a tough uh, uphill climb. But uh, we battled, and you know, um, that's a credit to the you know the players uh, on this team. I'm going to tell you, I, I, I wasn't out of it uh, the entire time. I was going like, I'd like to see you guys bring it a little bit closer than 5-2. Uh, but, but I think it was 7-08, Mark, of the, or 7-08 left. Uh, and all of a sudden, you guys started to, to creep up the intensity even a little bit more. And um, and you got it close, doggone it. I mean, you were uh, you were within a goal before they got that one with 26 seconds. And, and even after that, uh, Dan, 26 seconds to go in the game, and, and you guys had three offensive zone faceoffs that you almost scored on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's, you know, we felt it on the bench, too. It was just, you know, they just keep clawing and coming back and working every every time the guys are going over the bench and just staying positive. And one of the things that we really focused on is, is making sure that we, you know, keep our composure. Um, throughout the whole tournament and like I said for you know a bunch of 16 year old players uh, to do that is, is remarkable and that, that that's a credit to to where they're at in their development they're able to do something like that um, where they kept battling and going through and, and to your point and, you know um, we were very very close when it was five to four we had to get a good opportunity in front and the tip just went a little bit wide to tie it up and then when they scored to uh uh, essentially make it to 6-4 you know that last 26 seconds we had a couple more really good opportunities and as we know in the scheme of hockey it's, it's not over till that final buzzle run, or, uh, rings and you know it was very very close and all the way to the end you know that we battled and then that's something that we can hold our, our heads high um, you know coming out of this and the learning experience for these kids as their first opportunity to represent the red white and blue um, if these kids do you know some of these kids will get a chance to to do it again and you know they're going to remember this and and told them that you know nothing um you know no words can replace the sting and the uh, the hurt that everybody's feeling right now but you got to remember that and take that with you so the next time we come back that you know we're standing on the other side of this uh, uh, equation yeah good good advice 
two things. How is Mac uh, Swanson? How's he doing? He seemed like he was the only kind of major injury that you had, right? Yeah, I mean, I was, uh, you know, Mac is a really, really tough kid and, uh, you know, took a uh, um, tough hit. Um, yeah. That's something that we definitely uh, talked about the officials with that one because it was in, in our in our view, it, 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 was, it was tough, but, but to their credit, I mean, it, it, it's, the game's happening so fast and, and they give a good explanation in real time. And, you know, when we look at video, it's, you know, it's always clear, but it's something that we had a good conversation with them and, um, to, to hear from their viewpoint obviously we don't have to you know like that but we respect that and, and they're doing the best that they can do too in, in, with this game and i think that's something to, to move forward but when we look at you know mac you know talk to uh Sullivan and he's, he's gonna be okay it's um, just something that uh, you know with the kids you know with max future um you don't not want to take uh, any chances with something like that to put him back into early or anything like that even though the the player would love to play right um, no, no matter what and there's a gold medal on the line but uh, you know we have to make the tough decision and look for his, his future and he's, he's going to be just fine it's, you know just like a lot of our players on our team the uh, the future is bright for USA hockey um, but the, with the players that uh, were on this five nations team well that's good to hear uh, final one is I want you to talk about your goaltenders because I don't know that I've ever seen a national team with two complete opposite goaltenders that both know how to get the job done. Uh, I'll give you a funny story real quick. Uh, I got a tweet the other night from Aaron Broughton, and I, I grew up with the Broughton brothers, Neil and Aaron and all of them, and Paul uh, up in Roseau. Legendary, legendary family. <laughs> right. So anyway, I, I'm thinking, oh, Aaron Broughton's tweeting me, so I quickly responded with a direct message, and I go, is this Aaron Broughton? And he goes, oh, I tricked you. He goes, this is the other Aaron Broughton. This is the one from Thief River Falls. And then it dawned on me 40 years later that <laughs> there were two Aaron Broughtons. One, and he was a cousin uh, of the uh, the Broughton brothers from Roseau. So anyway, we had a nice conversation. He was asking me about what I was doing, and I explained to him. And then I said I was going to be at Five Nations. He goes, hey, my son played with uh, one of the goaltenders, Caleb Heal. So he said, if you, uh, if you get there um, and you see him, would you tell him that the Broughtons say hello? So I said, sure, you know, no problem. <laughs> I just thought it was odd that it would be that way two nights before I showed up down there. But anyway... So, so I was looking forward to watching Caleb play, and um, I also had the chance to watch a goaltender named Joey Decord at uh, Arizona State, plays in the Seattle organization now, and he's the best college goaltender that could move the puck uh, that I ever witnessed, and um, he was incredible. And uh, I watched Caleb play, and I'm going like, holy cow, he's going to be the next one to move the puck like that. And then I watched uh, Thatcher, and he was about as solid as you get in goal. So how did you adjust with those two styles? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I think, uh, you know, for us, anytime you go into a tournament, you have two goalies that uh, um, they can obviously play in the, and start any game. It was such a luxury for us to have. And, and the real cool thing is that, you know, Caleb and Thatcher built a really good bond. They didn't know each other going into this uh, to this tournament. And for just to watch their level of support and, and being things that we ask of being a great teammate and competing and, and helping each other out was, uh, was a bonus for us, right? And, and, and when you look at that, right, Caleb not only can, you know, stop the puck and, and make the big saves when, we needed and the, the penalty shot. He did, he did that in the, in the Swiss game. Yep. Um, and then just the way he moves the puck, right? You, you saw that. And, and not, where you know, be a penalty kill or you know, power play for us. And look into some of those special teams. I mean, it was like having a third defenseman out there. The way he can help and you know, move the play and, and push the pace. And that was something that's really important for us. You know, I think. Um, and it was. You, you could see. I think we were one of the fastest teams in the tournament, right? We wanted to play with speed. Wanted to be with pace all the way through so we're doing things hard and, and fast and we go through that and that really helped accelerate that and then when you look at the other side of you know Thatcher he came into last night's game and, um, you know when you look at a game that's you know, when you're coming in a 
especially this five to two. That's a that's a tough thing. And he came in and he got tested right away um, with the first uh, you know first opportunity there, and he was solid and gave us that opportunity to you know to, to come back and, and compete for that game to tie it up. So can't say enough about the, those two individuals. I mean, they're 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 competitors and uh, they're going to be fun to watch and in their futures as well. Well, I thought Thatcher was incredible because coming in cold like that is hard. And he got tested. I think I counted five times in the end of the second half of the second period, uh, point blank. And he was just solid as a rock. Yeah, and that, and that was great. And that helped us you know, have a chance in the third. Just when you have that stability back there, right? And the kids you know, feed off that energy that goes. And um, I think that's really important um, that gave us that chance. And we're really in another, you know, all the players. And we talked about through the whole tournament as we go through. Well, congratulations on a great tournament. I thought you guys probably were the best team. I just think uh, the other night, last night, it just uh, it was just a matter of running into somebody with a really hot goaltender and a really good game plan, and you were really close. So congratulations on a great week. Team USA is in good hands. Dan Jablonik, I appreciate your time, and uh, take care, okay? Yeah, thank you very much. Absolute honor to uh, to be with this team and you know represent the uh, USA and uh, all the best. To, you know, you guys will be seeing with the, within this pod- podcast. You have all the uh, hockey fans out there. I mean, there's some hiding, exciting hockey to see with the, with these players in their future. So, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Have a good night. All right, you too, bud. Take care. Folks, that's Dan Jablonik, the head coach from Team USA in the Five Nations tournament. The under seventeens. And uh, we're talking college hockey on this program. And, Michael, uh, when we start talking about 15-, 16-year-olds, uh, they're already looking at colleges, aren't they? Yeah, no, they, uh, they definitely are. They start uh, young, young, young age for sure. Um, I know college hockey, uh, including our former commissioner, Josh Stratton, uh, tried to put in some legislation to maybe help slow that process down a little bit so kids aren't committing at 13-, 14-year-old, which you saw you know, maybe a couple of years ago. Uh, now they, you know, cannot, uh, they can make verbal commitments, I believe, starting uh, their uh, beginning of their junior year and can't commit uh, and sign an NLI until their senior year. So uh, trying to maybe slow some of that process down from committing too early. But um, certainly they, these, uh, these are some of the top players in the country. And um, I'm sure several of our coaches are, are, have their eyes on them and are already scouting them. Well, I'll tell you a couple of things. There was definitely some, uh, some scouts in the building from all over the place. Including, uh, including one Peter Menino who was uh, had a little uh, had a little opportunity to uh, to uh, be in the um, in the building uh, as part of it. So I'm sure he enjoyed seeing what was there. But it wasn't just the U.S. players. Now, Michael, it's uh, it's the uh, the other squads as well can produce some talent, can't they? Yeah, I mean, we have uh, certainly plenty of uh, players from over in Europe, uh, certainly Canada. I know Canada wasn't a part of this Five Nations, but, um, yeah, we've had plenty of players. Uh, St. Cloud State had quite the pipeline from Finland there for a little while. Uh, I know uh, Miami, uh, Ludwig Pearson is from Sweden, as well as uh, Jacob Helston from uh, North, or plays at North Dakota is from Sweden. So, um, you know, we've got plenty of uh, players from from all over the place. Uh, Freddie Tiffles is a played on the German uh, national team and in the world juniors for Germany. He played at Western Michigan for a handful of years. And uh, right now Western Michigan has uh, Cedric Fiedler from Switzerland. So uh, as you said, there's definitely a no shortage of talent uh, from, from those teams over in Europe as well. Yeah. I think Denver's found their way to uh, some Europeans as well <laughs> at the university of Denver uh, that have seemed to perform pretty darn well. Uh, whether it be a goaltender or a forward or a defenseman. So, yeah, there's a lot of talent. Um, the one thing, and, and you know the story, uh, almost two years ago, well, a year and a half ago now, I, I made my 30-day trip to see how close hockey was between the 15- and 16-year-olds and the 25- and 26-year-olds. And, boy, oh, boy, it's gotten so much closer, Michael. I can't even tell you um, – not only on the ice, but off the ice. These guys handle themselves so well. Um, and it's a credit to, to the coaches. It's a credit to the parents. It's a credit to a lot of people. But have you seen that same thing? Uh, you know, I, I, to be honest, I'm maybe not as watching uh, the junior levels and the levels uh, below that as closely maybe as you are. So um, it's hard for me to say. But, you know, I certainly think that, um, you know, you have things like the U.S. development program and the American development model and things like that that, 
uh, maybe help those players, uh, you know, improve their skills at a younger age. And I know certainly here in the U.S., I can't speak to some of maybe other countries, uh, hockey federations, but uh, USA hockey and in the U.S. in general, I know it's certainly encouraged to play multiple sports growing up because uh, it, it tends to help you, uh, you know, diversify your athletic skills. Let, let me ask it a different way, because you're familiar with the NCHC from top to bottom. Um, are you seeing or have you seen a difference in maybe the way players carry themselves? Um, well, actually, it's a three-parter, because when you first came in and started working with the NCHC, um, is it different from then till now? And did the, the pandemic affect how players maybe saw the game if that makes sense um you know from from my point of view i'm not sure i noticed anything massively different certainly during the pandemic i think you heard a lot of players be grateful for just being able to play and when we we're in the pod being able to be a part of that and having getting to play games and and whatnot and so maybe there's a little bit more of that kind of gratefulness and just grateful that they get to play hockey and they're not having to deal with the pandemic as much as it, uh, they were kind of in the heart of it a couple of years ago. And, um, but, you know, I think hockey players in general, and I've always noticed this about hockey players is they, for the most part, carry themselves very well. They're very courteous people. Um, they're team players, you know, uh, not to, to knock on potentially some other sports, but, you know, basketball and football, you see a lot of individual players and stylish and it's I this and I that. And then hockey interviews, usually, you know, post game, it's always we this and we that. And so, um, I think there's something to just, I don't know if it's the way, you know, you mentioned coaches or if it's just the way that players are, are brought up, but hockey players tend to, um, you know, just have a little bit of different, um, you know, maybe personality or just way that they interact with, with media and other people um, compared to maybe some of the other sports at, at a younger age. Okay. That's a great lead into the world junior championships, which uh, <laughs> this is going to be odd for me forever. My, my co-host Paul Hornstein loves it because he loves uh, hockey year round. <laughs> so so he's thrilled he's uh, he's texting me now asking me if i can give him the streaming information on where he can watch the game in his airbnb in albany <laughs> but it's on, it's on nhl network i know that i don't know about a stream but yeah i i think i gave him my password for fubu tv <laughs> there you go there you go what a guy that should work that should work um but anyway um the world juniors definitely has a flavor for the nchc and you know, I went and spent four or five days um, in in Michigan because the, I counted 13 players that had ties to uh, um, the region that we cover and a few more that were ties to NCHC, but they haven't surprised anybody. They just came out and did what they do. And I'm talking about guys like Carter Mazur and um, Caden Embarico and um, Hunter McCown, and you just go up and down the list. Sean Barron's. I mean, I can just list them all. But um, your thoughts, and and how proud are you being a part of the NCHC to see what these guys are doing on a world level? Yeah, certainly very proud of our guys to be able to represent uh, their native country. This year, it happens to be all U.S. players, but we've had, as we talked about, players represent Canada and Finland and Germany and some of these other countries as well. And so it's. It's always an honor for them. Certainly, they've, they've worked hard to earn that right to be one of the top players at their age level and in their country and, and wear their country's sweater. And to compete at the World Junior Championship is, is certainly, other than maybe the World Championship and the Olympics, the you know, premier international tournament in hockey. And so, um, you know, it's, it's been great to see so many of our guys on, on this 2022 team. And you mentioned hockey in August. I mean, how can we not be excited about <laughs> hockey? Hockey in August, we don't get kind of any kind of hockey in August very often. Um, so... I know it wasn't really intended this way. It was postponed back from uh, December, but uh, the nine guys on Team USA are the most we've ever had on, on one uh, U.S. team at the World Juniors, and it's also the most we've ever had at one World Junior Championship, uh, kind of referring to some of those other countries we've had guys uh, represent. So um, certainly to have nine guys there has, has been incredible. We got eight guys in the lineup for their big game against Sweden tonight, um, and uh, they've been they've been produced, and I know Carter Mazer has back-to-back multi-goal games, and I think has a goal in just about every game in this tournament so far. And uh, Red Savage at Miami has really been lighting it up, and uh, it's great to see Hunter McCown uh, get a chance. You know, he wasn't on that original uh, 2020, I guess 2022 team back in December, uh, but played his way onto that team through strong play. Uh, you know, at, at CC uh, in the spring, and and his hard work and. Um, I'm excited to see Caden and Barrett go in person here come the fall. He'll be a freshman at CC and uh, certainly he's been, been holding down the Ford in net pretty strong. So it's good to see him back in, in net tonight against Sweden. 
Well, I'll tell you, when I had a chance to visit with all of them um, in Michigan, I was worried, not worried, but um, I don't know what the right word is. I, I was thinking about uh, how long would they talk and what kind of conversation would we have? And that was not a problem for any of them. Uh, they, they all love to talk hockey and uh, it was great. I think I, I was planning on a one hour thing and I think I ended up with uh, almost two hours. And we had to separate into two different, two different features, but uh, again, it, it's a credit to the way they carry themselves. And uh, you can see the difference between some schools and I'm touting the NCHC again, cause you know how much I love this conference, but I just think the competition level and the ability for them to compete at the highest level yet become friends in an event like this. And, and you see the guys from CC and red savage, uh, he was just so much fun. And, you know, he's coming from a program that struggles a little bit in the NCHC right now. Yep. Um, but yet he he's hanging out with the Denver guys and the Colorado college kids. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I think that is definitely a unique thing that you probably don't see again going back to you know football. Maybe in basketball you see it a little bit with you know having a team USA at various age levels. I think they have a U twenty championship and et cetera. But um, yeah, it's you know I, I know uh, half of Team USA's decor for the eight uh, D men are NCHC guys, and um, the the third D pair has been NCHC guys every uh, game so far. Whether it was uh, Tyler Clevin in North Dakota with Jack Peart from St. Cloud or Clevin with uh, Sean Barons from Denver. I mean, North Dakota and Denver playing on the same D-line seems like uh, maybe a recipe <laughs> recipe for disaster normally. But uh, like you said, they get along. And even St. Cloud and North Dakota, I don't think are the friendliest of teams. So to have uh, Jack Peart and uh, Clevin playing together is, is pretty neat. And, uh, you know, uh, we got we got several centers up that line with uh, Dom James and, and Red Savage and McCown, like we talked about. So. Um, it is great that, you know, six six of our eight teams have at least one representative on Team USA this year. So uh, I'm pretty sure that's the most teams we've ever had represented as well, as long as well as the most players. Yeah, I mean, that uh, it, when I think back of the the late 70s, early 80s, when I was really tied into to college hockey, a lot more than my 25 years of playing professional golf, <laughs> it was uh, – <laughs> But when I think back to then, I can see North Dakota and Minnesota and Minnesota Duluth guys dropping the gloves on the blue line <laughs> when they're on the same team. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I don't know how they did it back in – well, you, you even think of like, uh, you know, Miracle on Ice in the 1980 Olympic team, right? You had the East Coast right. uh, BCBU guys, and then you had the Minnesota-North Dakota guys, and, and uh, you know, they didn't, really, they didn't really get along with each other until uh, Herb kind of whipped them into shape. So, um, I, obviously, that those kind of rivalries have maybe toned down a little bit, which uh, – it's probably a good thing from a Team USA perspective, but uh, you know it's it's definitely interesting to see how things have kind of evolved and, and you get a mix of players from from really all over college hockey. Okay, let's take one more quick break. Let's come back and let's find out what's going on with the NCHC as we prepare. What are we, Michael? Less than two months, forty five days or so. Yeah, I should. I'll have the exact number when we come back. Okay, I'll good right good back. teaser for you. All right, perfect. Indeed it is, College Hockey West Live. It's Sunday night. It's normally our 
our live recap show, recap recap the weekend of games that are being played. Scott Strandy with you in Denver, Colorado tonight. My special guest co-host, Michael Weissman, the Associate Commissioner of the NCHC, filling in for Paul Hornstein, who's on dad duty tonight, moving his uh, youngest son into uh, his college dorm in Albany, New York. So best of luck to Charlie and Paul to survive these next three days of uh, uh, anxiety and separation. How about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is Charlie going to be a great Dane? Is that where is that where he's going? <laughs> um, that's a good question. I know he's going to Albany. I don't know. Okay, I think that's their I, nickname. So I think Paul Paul's listening, so he'll probably send in a, a nickname or something. On I think the, I think that's yeah. their nickname. <laughs> we'll find out. Uh, yeah. Okay. So anyway, we've broken down pretty much the uh, five nations and the World Junior Championships, and now it's time to talk some NCHC hockey because. As you kick off another season, what season is this anyway? You got that? <laughs> uh, this will be our 10th season, Scott. Can you wow. believe it? 10th season, season of NCHC hockey, yeah. Incredible. And we're going to kick it off with a brand new commissioner. We've had her on the podcast. She's fantastic. She is uh, well into and versed in the, uh, the, the NCHC schools with St. Cloud State and, and Denver and all of those. So, um why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about uh, your new commissioner, your new boss? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's actually good timing. She was just in Colorado Springs. So as you mentioned, Heather was the athletic director at St. Cloud State, obviously one of our member schools for, I believe, nine years uh, before becoming our commissioner officially late June, early July. Um, but she's going to be based in, in St. Cloud, stay in St. Cloud. But she's been out to Colorado Springs twice now, including this past uh, week and weekend. She came out Wednesday and uh, was in the office Wednesday afternoon, Thursday and Friday. And we had a nice staff dinner Friday night, which was really nice with uh, the five of us. And uh, yeah, you, you stopped by the office, uh, Scott. So you, you didn't really get to meet with Heather because she was meeting with Don Adam, our director of officiating. But uh, she's she's pretty, pretty packed with meetings while she's in Colorado Springs meeting with various people and uh, meeting with uh, myself and the rest of our staff. But um, yeah, she's she's been great to work with. And uh, you know, definitely a little bit uh, maybe different um, style or just different uh, personality than Josh, but um, certainly a lot of fun uh, to, to work with. And um, she has a lot of great ideas and um, is very on top of kind of the changing landscape in the NCAA and in college hockey and has been very attentive to that. So, um, yeah, you know, she's, she's figuring things out. It's uh, I think it was a little maybe uh, tough at first just trying to get a handle on kind of what, what all is going on, what all is she responsible for. Um, kind of where did Josh leave things off? She's, you know, in Minnesota, um, Sam Keeney, our director of uh, digital content and myself are in Colorado Springs. Um, so just kind of dealing with that and how, how does that work? So um, we're figuring things out, but we have weekly meetings, uh, you know, via Zoom. And uh, it was nice to have her in the office these last couple of days to be able to meet face to face and talk through some things. And, and like I said, we had a staff dinner on, on Friday night. That was really nice. So it was good for all of us to get together and, uh, and kind of get, get things rolling. You know, I, when we had a chance to visit with her, she, she seems very progressive in what she wants to do at the conference and how she wants to see it run and grow, if you will. Um, but I know you guys were talking, and Josh told me this before he left when I, I saw him out at the, uh, the NCAA Frozen Four, that uh, one of the big things you were working on was enhancing um, nchc.tv, which we absolutely love. I mean, anybody that's seen me at a game knows that I probably at, at any – particular time have three or four games going on on my tablet while I'm watching one in front of me. Yeah. That quad box is pretty handy to be able to watch four <laughs> games at once. Right. It's great. Uh, yeah, no, but you mentioned, uh, NCHC TV, our subscription, uh, streaming service. And, um, you know, we've worked with some schools to try and improve, uh, equipment and just how they're pr producing their streams and their games and things like that. And, um, we've actually, uh, are transitioning our, our traditional website, nchchockey.com over to, um, sidearm sports who hosts nchc tv so uh, we'll have a new website kind of somewhat integrated with nchc tv uh certainly a better setup than we have currently where our website our traditional website is on a different host than um than nchc tv so we'll have a little bit more video and integration on our traditional website which will uh, be nice eventually we'll have some new mobile apps uh things updated with uh, again with the new website and nchc tv so um, that should be coming here in the next couple weeks uh sometime in august we're excited we're Kind of just putting the finishing touches on, on the website, making sure uh, everything is working, dotting our uh, I's and crossing our T's and all that fun stuff. But um, should be uh, a nice new look for the fans, a good experience. And uh, yeah, NCHC TV will be uh, even more integrated and present on our website than before. 
Well, everybody wants to know um, your prediction on who's going to win the uh, the Frozen Faceoff and the regular season championship, the Penrose Cup. You got a prediction yet? No, no. I, I work for the conference, Scott. I don't, I don't make predictions. That's not my job. That's your job. I, I just, I just, I just either, uh, you know, last year I got to present the trophy, the Penrose Cup twice, uh, twice actually. Yeah. First time we've had co co champs. So back to back nights, uh, once in Omaha and once in Denver, uh, got to present the Penrose Cup, but no, I'll leave that to the media to do the predictions. We'll, we'll have our preseason poll uh, released a day or two before media day. So kind of late September and, uh, the media will participate in that, and uh, I'll just be the one that tallies up the votes. So uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't stick a vote out there. I'll, I'll plead the fifth and play neutral on this one. I love it, I love it. Uh, but we did find out that there are two Penrose Cups, just in case what happened this last season happens again. Yeah, we have two Penrose Cups. We also have two Frozen Faceoff trophies. Not that, not that we can have two Frozen Faceoff champions, but uh, yeah, we have two of each. So uh, thankfully, it worked out well that we could give uh, both North Dakota and Denver their own Penrose Cup to uh, enjoy and display this coming season. Uh, and uh, Minnesota Duluth obviously has one of the Frozen Faceoff trophies, and we have another one that's uh, stored at Excel Energy Center for display during wild games and things like that. Yeah, love that. Love it. Um, so, so tell me a little bit about the success of the frozen face-off and how great it is to have it back at XL. Not that North Dakota didn't do a great job, but it was a very tough um, couple of years of the pandemic, but uh, that that's kind of where it belongs, right? Yeah, certainly we were excited to be back in St. Paul at XL Energy Center uh, for the 2022 frozen face-off. You know, we, we just finished up our, the first uh, five years of our initial contract, but ironically we only held it there three times with uh the 2020 frozen face-off being wiped out completely. And then, as you mentioned, 2021, we held it at Ralph Engel Set Arena in Grand Forks uh, strictly for a, uh, well, a little bit of attendance reasons so we could have a couple fans, but also so we could hold it on a campus site. And um, we held a condensed single elimination format tournament. So just a, a kind of a, a totally different tournament than the traditional frozen face-off set up. But uh, as you said, certainly uh, the Twin Cities, St. Paul is, is where we want to be. Uh, it's kind of the pinnacle of our season. Uh, you know, we hope it's a destination for fans and, and where the players want to be towards the end of the season. Uh, I know for our teams, it's a great tune-up for the NCAA tournament. Most of them are going on the next weekend to regionals. And so it's a good tune-up to play another team that's likely going to be in the NCAA tournament. And, um, you know, we try to make it to where even if, um, you know, your team isn't playing in the frozen face-off, the fans still want to come, uh, whether it's to Fan Fest or, um, you know, just to hang out on, on West 7th Street there. We usually have specials at the bars and um, whether it's Tom Reed's or some of the other places there. And um, we just have different activities going on that um, hopefully in addition to the great hockey fans feel like there's plenty to do. And, and even if they don't have a team to cheer for, they can just enjoy the games and enjoy everything else that's going on. Well, the week to week conference play, Michael is always fantastic and competitive uh, from top to bottom. You just can't take any night off, but um, the NCHC teams also spread their wings a little bit. Like, Denver uh, hosting the icebreaker this year, and, along with Air Force, I should say. And North Dakota, again, doing what North Dakota does, spreading the, uh, the hockey love and going to Vegas to take on Arizona State. Um, what does that say for the conference? It, it's got to be good, right? Yeah, it's always exciting to see our teams playing kind of, you know, showcase games, spotlight games, spotlight tournaments, things like that. Uh, in addition to the ones you mentioned, Western Michigan is playing uh, Northeastern in Nashville in a, in a one game. I think it's yep. called the Music City Classic or something like that. Um, anyway, a rematch of their NCAA tournament game last year. So, yeah, these destination games are fun. Uh, you mentioned North Dakota is playing Arizona State in the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame game in Las Vegas. And uh, Denver is hosting Notre Dame in Maine. Uh, and then they'll switch and Air Force will host on opposite nights. Uh as part of the icebreaker, so that's a little bit different. Normally, the icebreaker is all in one one venue. Minnesota Duluth hosted it last year, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's great to see our teams kind of be in the spotlight and uh, get to showcase uh, you know their their talents to maybe a different audience than normal. And um, it's even you know it's even better for the players because uh, maybe not you know for Denver they're not traveling anywhere, but for Western Michigan or for North Dakota they get to go to a city that you know perhaps they've never been to and, and wouldn't normally get to go to. Yeah, absolutely. And I think some of the NCHC teams have also done a really good job of taking in um, new programs, independents. I know Colorado College is going out to uh, Arizona State, and Arizona State's coming to Denver. And Denver uh, is even reaching out and taking on UNLV uh, in an exhibition on October 1st at Magnus Arena. So um, 
you talk about growing the game, and that's why I started this company in the first place was to grow the game of hockey. But, man, you guys have your hands in everything, and kudos to uh, the, the coaches and the schools for wanting to take on that opportunity and make sure that everybody gets their opportunity. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the things we kind of always preached, uh, you know, from the beginning is certainly we have to look out for our members and our conference, but we also want to look out for the good of, of college hockey as a whole. And, um, you know, we don't want to lose teams. And so we know the importance of making sure some of these independent schools have teams they can play and fill up their schedules. And so um, whether it's, uh, you know, Lindenwood, I know, is going to North Dakota this year. Denver hosted Lindenwood for an exhibition last year um, when they were still a club team. You mentioned them hosting UNLV. So given some of these club teams, you know, a little bit of a taste of, of varsity uh, NCHC hockey. And, um, you know, our schools also travel to Alaska. Anchorage will be coming back this year. Uh, Western Michigan's going up there to open the season. So um, that's, you know, two, two bonus games for Western Michigan. Plus it, you know, helps uh, Anchorage the Seawolves get some games on their schedule. And we've also had teams go up to Fairbanks a couple times. I think Alaska's playing um, a couple of our schools. I can't remember if it's Denver or Omaha this year, but I know last year they've uh, played a couple of our teams. Omaha, I think, did a home and home with them. So, uh, it's definitely important for our teams to play some of these teams out West and, and help grow the game and, um, you know, make sure these independent schools, um, whether they eventually become an NCHC member or not, uh, is to be seen, but um, certainly want to make sure that there's, you know, ways for them to get their games and, and they have teams to play. Michael, when you take a general overview of where college hockey is at in your eyes and you have a unique position within a conference, a power conference, and maybe the best conference, but um, when you look at the teams that came on, a lot of people told Paul and I during the pandemic that, oh, boy, this could be the death nail. This could be it for college hockey. It's not going to survive. It's too expensive. It doesn't generate enough revenue. And I don't think it could be farther from the truth. We've seen teams come back from seemingly the dead, if you will. We've seen new teams make the jump like LIU and Lindenwood and, and other schools talking about it. It's, it's no longer... Um, taboo to say we want to be an NCAA program so being a part of the NCHC how do you see your role do you guys feel like at some point in time you're gonna to have to take on some more teams and would you want to take on more teams or are you comfortable with where you're at yeah I think that'll be up to, uh, to our membership certainly you know our, our the, the for number one thing we have to look out for is our current membership and does it make sense um, for us to bring in additional schools you know what what, what do they add is it location that they're adding will they add fans at the frozen face-off do they add media value do they add an alumni base do they add um you know academically there's all sorts of things you know you can look at and what do you what do you value and um things like that you know what do their facilities look like are they are primarily a hockey school that's certainly one of the things the nchc was founded on is you know eight schools that are really dedicated to the sport of collegiate ice hockey and um, you know, for, you know, 75, 80% of our schools, uh, you know, men's hockey is the number one sport on their campus. Um, and if it's not number one, it's, it's probably number two. So, um, you know, we have to make sure it's the right fit for our schools. And um, it's great to see some of these um, smaller schools, you know, uh, creating varsity hockey programs, whether it's Long Island or Augustana, Lindenwood, um, you know, I, I, you know, we certainly wish them success. And, um, hope they can sustain their programs and, and make it financially viable. I think it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, the, the long-term success because you also see schools like Illinois who have talked about college hockey for, you know, it seems like a decade now. And um, you would think they would have the resources for something like this. And ultimately they decided they didn't have the resources or didn't want to spend the resources on it. So, um, it, you know, it is interesting to see, you know, which schools decide they want to make the commitment. And um, you said, you did mention hockey is an expensive sport and there's no doubt about it. It's an expensive sport from an equipment side, whether it's skates, you know, sticks, think padding, things like that. Uh, and it's also an expensive sport, especially in the Western half of the country from a travel standpoint, because um, while on the East Coast, they have tons of schools up in the New England area and the Northeastern part of the US, and it can be all bus leagues. Uh, you know, the NCHC for the most part is flying. And, um, you know, even the CCHA has a lot of flights and you add these schools like Arizona State and Alaska's and Augustana and Lindenwood. And those are, you know, either long bus rides or flights. And so, um, that can be expensive. That can add another night of hotel and things like that. So, um, you know, if we get more teams out West, potentially you alleviate some of those um, travel costs. But, but as you know, as someone who, who's lived out in Arizona and now in Colorado, the West is pretty expansive even on its own. So even if we, <laughs> add, even if we added a bunch of teams, you know, you're still, you know, flying to California, you know, you're not driving to California. You're not right. driving, you're not driving to Las Vegas. 
you're not driving well yeah you like to drive all over so you know you props to you for that but i don't think denver would uh, drive uh, unlv if unlv added a varsity team i think they'd be flying so um you know that that is definitely one of the biggest things i think is is the cost uh, factor to it and um you know i we hear about it even in our conference you know concerns about costs of travel and schools trying to travel or um you know schedule non-conference games much more located to where they are so they're not having to fly for non-conference games playing school, you know in-state rivals whether it's you know St. Cloud State playing other Minnesota schools or Miami playing Bowling Green and um, Ferris State schools in Michigan that are you know just closer to them geographically from a non-conference standpoint so um, it's definitely a factor um, probably more so in our conference than maybe any other conference uh, maybe the CCHA to some extent but um, it is it is definitely an issue and something we do hear about. Okay I'm going to wrap it up on this note um, first and foremost, uh, I think there's going to be a realignment within college hockey, whether that affects you or not, I'm not sure, but, uh, I think they'll have to be at some point cause we're ending up with too many independents now and they're almost their own conference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I, think no, that's com- I think that's coming down the road. I saw a report on USCHO about a, a possible conference, but, um, to your point, I mean, it, you know, does it make sense to have a conference that, you know, and I'm not trying to knock it, but have Alaska schools and Arizona state with a conference in long and long Island. I mean, <laughs> I, mean really. I, I mean, it really doesn't, right. I mean, other than your guaranteed games, I, I it just doesn't, you know, that's your, your six, what, six times, five, six time zones. And right. I mean, you, gotta, you gotta think about the student athlete experience too. Right. I mean, that's not the best experience. You know, we've um, probably scoffed a little bit at the USC UCLA move to the big 10 for, you know, multi-sports and, um, you know, I laugh about, you know, does USC's tennis team really excited about flying to play Maryland and Rutgers for two hours and then they got to fly six hours back? I, you know, so um, while I, I certainly, you know, want those programs to succeed, I think there has to be some some rationale, you know, other than just, you know, we're desperate and have no one else to play. Um, you know, does Arizona, what does Arizona State have in common with LIU and the Alaska schools? I mean, they're, you know, the makeup of that school is entirely different, right? So, right. Um, it's, it's just, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what comes of it, but yeah, I think, I think there's going to have to be at some point because as you said, there's what six, seven, eventually going to be, I think seven or eight independent teams. So, um, we'll, we'll see what comes. It'll be an interesting time in college hockey for sure. All right. The final thing I'm going to say is if anybody hasn't seen my uh, feature, I did at Adrian college, I never want to hear where it's too expensive or it won't work. Adrian college, a very good NCAA three team. Uh, a gr- very good women's NCAA team, a very good uh, ACHA M1 team. They have seven teams, Michael, seven wow. teams and four figure skating programs. Their enrollment is 2,000 people. They have that rink busy from 6 a.m. to midnight during the college uh, college time when people are on campus. Mm-hmm. And uh, not only do they do that, but they have an immaculate one sheet of ice and uh, everybody's got their own locker room. They've designated separate logos. I mean, it's just a phenomenal story. So yeah, I titled it. If there's a will, there's a way. And if, uh, if you ever want to find out how to do it, just reach out to Gary Astalis at uh, Adrian college. And he'll tell you that you can do it. You can actually play that many different levels of college hockey and only have 2000 enrollment. That's impressive. Definitely. (laughs) uh, Definitely a model to be looked at for sure. Michael, thank you so much for stepping in tonight. Enjoy the rest of the night. Go watch that hockey game, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for uh, for setting me up with some good uh, some good garb. I wore it today, Michael, and I'm not kidding you. Five people came up to me and said, "I love that NCHC stuff," and that was a yeah. shirt. So I, I saw your tweet. Yeah, looking looking sharp there. I'm I'm a little disappointed Peter Menino didn't join us because I was going to ask who <laughs> who has more NCHC gear between him and you now. So. He he is uh he definitely is known for his NCHC uh, clothing gathering. So yeah, I'm I'm really disappointed in him too because he wanted to surprise you. He wanted to jump on and say uh, that he was a drop in, but maybe he's just a drop out. I think he had too much uh, <laughs> he had too much hockey. But I had no idea his connection with Heather. Um, the fact that both him and his wife, uh, she was their academic advisors. Well, okay, so I, I didn't know she was his academic advisor, but I knew Heather was at Denver for about 10 years during the time when, uh, you know, Peter was a goalie for Denver. So I guess I never really thought about that, but it, it does make sense now that you mention it. Yeah. That's what he was telling me. So that's pretty funny. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> hockey's, a, hockey's a small world, right? It really is. 
All right. Have a good night. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll say good night with uh, uh, a little Roger Klein, the Peacemakers, right after our close. Good night, everybody. Right. Thanks, Scott. Absolutely. From the Summer Skate Studios behind the Mass College Hockey West Live, has been brought to you by Burrito Express. Homemade taste, takeout speed, six East Valley locations. Go to burritoexpress.com to find the one near you. Behind the mask, whether you use blades or wheels, whatever your hockey needs are, see our three Valley locations or behindthemask.com. Peterson Toyota, whether you're looking for your dream car or shopping on a budget, we take the time to find the perfect Toyota to fit your needs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, the best in barbecue Las Vegas style. Available at all Allegiant Stadium events. 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, as well as our new location in Henderson at 308 North Boulder Highway. By the NCHC and NCHC.TV. Subscribe to NCHC.TV and catch all of the action from the toughest conference in college hockey. Koreans and Suites, now an official Disney World hotel. Book your stay now for travel starting this October at DruryHotels.com. Jets Pizza. Go to jetspizza.com to find your fresh deal at your nearest Jets location today. Metro by T-Mobile. Get exclusive offers by becoming part of T-Mobile Tuesdays when you switch to Metro by T-Mobile. Top Golf. Play some of the world's most iconic golf courses without packing a suitcase. Find out how. See your local Top Golf Center or go to topgolf.com. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos worldwide. It's where the action is, in the resort or in town. Liberty University, hockey, education, and faith with equal passion at liberty.edu. And by M-Drive. Go to mdriveformen.com to see which M-Drive formula is for you. College Hockey West Live presented by Behind the Mask and all of the IcetimeHockeyWest.com podcasts are live on the Podbean app and available for download at iTunes, Google Play Store, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and on the TuneIn app as well as anywhere you get your podcasts. Ask Alexa to turn on your ITHSW podcasts. Behind the Mask, College Hockey West Live, and all of our weekly podcasts are a part of the IcetimeHockeyWest.com network. Very well done. Our thanks to Paul Hornstein for that terrific read, as always. Our thanks also to uh, Dan Jablonik for joining us tonight and talking a little Five Nations Team USA Hockey. We just concluded a tournament right here in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And, of course, my thanks to our special guest host tonight, Michael Weissman from the NCHC, the Associate Commissioner of the NCHC, joining me and helping me uh, get the show done tonight. We'll say goodnight with a little Roger Klein, the Peacemakers, De Niro, and tell everybody to step in tomorrow night when we have the new voice of the Arizona State Sun Devils, Tyler Paley, will be joining Paul and I. So, goodnight, everybody. <laughs>